That's a powerful song. You know, when we gather as a group of believers, this is holy ground. It's just an old gym, metal building with a concrete floor, but it's holy ground not because we're here, but because God, the creator of the universe, is here. We call this time worship, and that should be a very clear statement of our intentions. We don't call it duty or obligation or responsibility. We call it worship. And when we gather, we worship and we encounter the presence of the living Jesus right here, right now, just like we do in prayer, and we call it worship because we know God is here with us. He is present with us here in this place. He was here before we even arrived. And when we gather for worship, all of our attention is on Him. And so, appropriately this morning, as we get to the end of this book of Colossians, we're nearing the end, but uh, this, this small, jam-packed book of the New Testament, we get, to, we get to dive head first, but we don't get to dive very deep because there just isn't uh, a lot of it that talks about prayer. But we get to talk about the power pack for a Jesus-following Christian. The, the very heartbeat of our faith is prayer. We get, to, we get to look at what it is that Paul wants to encourage us to understand. And what that is, is that you're invited to approach God directly with whatever it is is on your heart. Whatever it is that you're thinking about, worried about, concerned about, you get to go straight to God. You don't have to go through somebody else. You don't have to, to, to pray to somebody who died a long time ago. But because of Jesus, who died for our sins and God rose from the grave, we get to go straight to God. Pastor Rich talks about the power that raised Jesus from the grave is alive in you as a believer. The very same power that created the entire universe is here just waiting for you to come and talk to Him with whatever it is that's on your heart. So if you're a new Christian or if you've considered yourself a Christian for a while, but you've never really made a regular time to pray, I need to tell you, you're missing out on one of the absolute best parts of a real personal relationship with Jesus. See, He invites us into that. And, and you know the best parts of a human relationship are the, the communication, the connection. It's the, the opportunity that we have to talk to each other. We've all got friends. You, you have somebody like this in your life, I bet. You consider him a good friend. You've probably known him for a long time. But... Whether they live three miles away or whether they live five states away or in another country, you just don't connect that often. You just don't have a chance to talk very often. But when something goes on and there's some reason for you to connect, it's like zoop, all that time that you just missed, caught up, and you're right where you left off. You got that person, right? It's like Jesus. He's just always waiting. He's always waiting for us to come to Him with whatever it is, to make Him a priority in our life, because that's really all He wants to be, is our top priority. So let's be honest about prayer for a moment. Let's just face the truth. To be in a healthy, growing, enjoyable relationship with someone, it takes communication and conversation and connection along with a good bit of effort. But it turns out the more of those things that we put into the relationship, what we find is the more that we get out of the relationship. And pretty soon it doesn't become effort. You don't have to, have to think about it. It just happens. It's something that you look forward to. It's the same thing with prayer. And, and if we're going to be honest, a lot of us keep Jesus on speed dial on our phone, but we don't hit the button very often. Am I right? 
What I mean is Jesus is our 911 emergency go-to guy. When we're out of options, when we can't fix it ourselves, when it looks like we've reached the end of our road or the end of our rope, what do we do? We say, Jesus, help me. Right? Because you know, something in us knows that He can. But then we feel guilty. And if I'm in my low, all by myself on this one, uh, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't think I am. Here's, here's what happens. We tell Jesus, if you'll do this for me, I, I'll do this thing for you. And the reason we make those deals, and you know what I'm talking about, is because we haven't done our part to keep the relationship up. Am I right? We think, Jesus, I want to sweeten the deal a little bit, and if you'll do this for me, and then we think we do this great sacrificial thing, that, you know, I'm going to do this and that and the other thing that I don't really want to, but for you I will, if you'll just do this for me. You ever had one of those prayers? Be honest with me. Don't raise your hand. We all do that, and we feel guilty, so we think we've, we've got to throw something extra into the deal so he listens to us. And the fact is, he's always been there waiting. He just wants to hear from us in the first place. He he doesn't need us to do something extra. That's not the way the Bible says the prayer works. He just wants us to come to Him in the first place. And and then what happens is when one of those emergency 911 prayers does get answered, when God does what God does and He responds in a way that we recognize more often than not, we're so caught up in getting what we wanted, we don't even take the time to say thank you, much less do the thing that we bargained with. Am I right? why so many people have struggles talking about miracles. They say, I've never seen one. Really, you've never recognized one. You've never given God credit for one. Prayer is the same way. A better and more honest relationship is about regular, ongoing connection and communication. We talk to Jesus about what's going on in our life, even the little things. What we're thankful for, what we're struggling with, what we're concerned about. And then we do the thing that's harder for us to do. And that's to sit back and and maybe listen and be quiet for a little bit. Rather than telling God all of our problems and how we'd like them answered, we take some time and listen to what it is that God might be communicating back with us. Maybe it's through a Bible verse. Maybe it's through the word of a song, something that a friend says, something you hear at church. Maybe it's just that you've been praying long enough and there's just this knowing in your heart. You know and recognize when it's God communicating with you because it's consistent with His Word and it's consistent with His character. And we find out that prayer really is a conversation with God, not unlike a conversation with a friend. We do some talking and we do some listening. Some of us even have that person that you can't get through a day without talking to. Some of us have that one person that every single day we need to make sure that one of us makes the phone call. You might even have a a set time that you make the phone call. That person is so important. They're such a priority that you make time every day to make sure that you've got daily communication with them. And, And really what you realize, it isn't so hard. It's actually kind of enjoyable because you like the conversation because they know so much about you and you know so much about them. Prayer is the same thing. It's just Making time for God. Prayer also can be the time that we apologize. Most of us have plenty of things to apologize for. It's called confession. It's where we admit to God the things that we know that we've done wrong. It's it's where we confess our sin. You can go a step further and it's called repentance. And the Bible calls us to that as well. Where we say, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to turn and I'm going to go away from it. And why do we not do that more often? Why do we not pray too much or even enough? Why? Because we say we're too busy. 
I've never met someone who said that they prayed too often. They prayed too much. Too much of their time went to it. But I meet a lot of people who say, I just don't pray very much at all. We've all got the same reason. It's not because we don't believe. It's because we say we're too busy. But you know what? We find time for other things, don't we? If you're a football fan, you're gearing up for football season this fall. I wonder how many hours of football you'll watch this season compared to how many hours you pray. Where's the priority? We've all got those things. Not picking on anybody. But we make time for the things that matter to us, the things that are important. See, we figure if I, if I don't get to praying today, you know what? Jesus will understand. He'll be there tomorrow. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get to him tomorrow. Things are going pretty well right now anyway. I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Made some good decisions. My life's going all right. I'll, I'll pick up with Jesus tomorrow. And then tomorrow becomes the next day and the next day. And, and then before you know it, we've bumped Jesus out not just for today, but for good. And maybe somebody reminds us of something or we pick up something in a Sunday message or the preacher says, hey, how are you and Jesus getting along these days? So, hey, how are you and Jesus getting along these days? How well do you know him? And how well does he know you? Does Jesus know you by the sound of your voice? Or does Jesus know you because somebody else out there is praying for you? So Paul's been helping us understand the last couple, few verses here, how it is that we can live as a follower of Jesus. And today he helps us understand the foundational nature of prayer and how important it is for all of us. So whether you're a constant prayer or a, a yet-to-get-started prayer, these words today should really come as a great encouragement for all of us. So if you've got your Bible, Colossians, fourth chapter, beginning in the second verse. Paul says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Steadfastly, persist without ceasing. Continue in prayer constantly. He says, by being watchful. He, he heard about those disciples that fell asleep when Jesus asked them to pray that night. He doesn't want us to do that. Being watchful, be awake, be alert, be vigilant. And do it with thanksgiving. Do it with gratitude. Don't do it saying, God, this is what you owe me. Pray with thanksgiving for everything that God is and everything that God does. So really what he's saying is that prayer can and should be in the life of a Christian, a constant, unending exercise of grateful communication between believer and God. You aren't sure how to do that? I guess there's a lot of ways. My... my Simplest answer is just start. A few years ago, I had a conversation with someone, and they were really hung up on the idea of having to give thanks in all circumstances. They didn't want to do that. It didn't sit right with them. There's things they weren't thankful for. And I said, the Bible doesn't tell us to get, be thankful. It says to give thanks. So I set about putting that verse into action in my life, and I said, I'm going to thank God for everything that happens. The good, the bad, the stuff that I love, the stuff that I hate, the stuff that I wish wasn't real. Every situation, every circumstance. And I challenged myself to live out that verse and give thanks for everything. What I learned, Paul would understand, was I learned a real gratitude that everything in my life is in the sovereign hands and divine authority of God. Even the stuff I don't like or that doesn't feel very good. I'm not thankful for everything. But I'm learning to give thanks for everything. Even the most confusing, discouraging, frustrating things. Even my sins and blunders and mistakes. I know I can give thanks for because God can use those for His glory. Not me and my glory. Not to make me look good. But for God and His glory. And that I can be thankful for. Verse 3, at the same time, pray also for us. 
that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison. Paul is literally writing this from jail. Talks about his uh, being in chains, whether he's chained to the floor or chained to the wall. He's in a prison, he's in chains. I can't imagine what that's like, especially 2,000 years ago. I couldn't imagine it today. And in chapter 1, verse 1, he mentions Timothy as being with him. And then he goes on and says 3. And today he talks about us. And what he's referring to is himself and Timothy. He doesn't say that Timothy is in jail with him. He says that he is there with him in jail. Whatever is going on there, that Timothy is somehow with Paul. And you get to his prayer and you think the first thing that Paul would talk to this church about, pray for my release. Pray that they let me out. Pray that they realize they did something wrong. Pray that I get out of here so that I can get on doing the, the good work I've been called to. But he doesn't. See, Paul had been warned by, on more than one occasion by the Holy Spirit before he got to Jerusalem that when he got to Jerusalem, he was going to be arrested. And Paul didn't change his plan. Paul didn't go a different route. What Paul did is started praying that that experience that God would use for his glory, that somehow God would use that for Paul to be able to spread the good news of Jesus even further. He's got this unwavering heart for the good news, and he's sold out for Christian mission to reach the world. So Paul doesn't pray for his freedom. He prays that new doors and opportunities would be opened, even though he is in chains and in prison, For him to share the gospel. His prayer is not that the prison doors be opened to him. But rather that the doors to reach unsaved people's ears, hearts, and minds would be opened for Jesus. That's a radical prayer. Because what Paul understood was that true freedom comes only in Jesus. Him being in prison wasn't even an inconvenience. He considered it an opportunity. It was an opportunity to declare, to declare, to preach the wonderful word of salvation in Jesus to a non-believer, which he understands seems like nothing short of a mystery. Paul's saying, I'm in prison because of the good news of Jesus. So as long as I'm here, let's pray that God opens more doors for us to reach more people. I'm not sure that I've ever prayed such an unselfish prayer in my whole life. No wonder Paul says that we should imitate him even as he imitates Christ. I want God to give me Paul's kind of unwavering, undying, laser-focused-on-evangelism heart. That's what Paul has. That, that guy must have been Holy Spirit on fire like nobody else around. I want to be even more that kind of Christian that has a heart for the unsaved like him. That, that would be incredible. That would be quite a Jesus church, wouldn't it? He goes on in verse 4 and he says, That I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Evangelism, very simply, is a clear and compelling statement on Jesus' life, death, and resurrection for the forgiveness of our sins. One of the things Paul knew was that sometimes we only get one chance. We get one opportunity to make a a good, positive God impression on someone. So how should we speak clearly with conviction and with a love, a genuine love for people who do not yet know the assurance of salvation in Jesus? 
Verse 5, he goes on and he says, And walk in wisdom toward outsiders. This is still that he would be able to do this. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. My dad always told me that a person has to earn the right to be heard. He's so right about that. You do, because people watch what we do to get an understanding of what we believe. And if our actions don't match their words, they don't listen to us. We have no credibility. In America today, we've got all these politicians and pundits and special agent agenda wackos and talking heads who demand that not only do we listen to them, but we also cave to their wishes. That we don't just give them what we want, but we agree and believe and become a part of what they want. To be a Christian who is a disciple and a follower of Jesus is, is one who knows Jesus, who lives for Jesus, and who is working to live like Jesus. We don't put forward our agenda and twist a Bible verse or two to fit our purpose. It's not what a Christian does. We wisely follow God's Word and we live out our life His way, according to His will. And when we do that, we don't live or talk or act or speak like the world around us. Walking wisely is to be an example to the world for the one for whom we live. Not about us, but about Him. It's to do nothing in our beliefs or our words or our actions that would cause somebody else to stumble in their faith or wonder why in the world do they say that they're a Christian and they still do what they do. To proclaim the truth of Jesus, the, the true Jesus, is the best use of our time here on earth. Paul is in prison. He's got all day long. And all he wants to do is reach people with the good news of Jesus. Uh, of course, God gives you the right to choose to use your days on earth to do just about anything you want. You can advance a political agenda that fits your preferences or be part of a cause that lines up with what you wish the world would be. Or you can invest your days in telling the world who Jesus is and what it is that He's done for you to help build a culture in this world that's consistent with God's will for all people. That's what Paul's about. It's what he's encouraging this church in Colossae and you and I to do. Verse 6, he says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Thoughtful in everything we say and in everyone that we speak to. Why? Because when you're a Christian... You are an ambassador here on earth for the King of Kings. When you speak about your faith, people listen. People use that to understand what it means to be a Christian themselves. We're His representatives here on earth. People who don't know Jesus will get an idea of His character and His heart through us, through you and I, our words and our actions. We hear the word salt used in Scripture, and it's used to, to, to preserve, to season to bring out flavor. And when we're gracious and seasoned with salt for the world around us, we, we show and we share the grace of Jesus, seasoned with the joy that we should feel because of Him. Do the people who know you know you to be a person of joy? They say, I, I don't understand because it doesn't seem to matter whether it's a good day or a bad day. They, they, they're not always happy, but they've got this joy about it. I can't quite figure it out. That's what it would be. 
to be someone who truly lives for Jesus is that our joy is what the world sees in us. So what we're learning from Paul is that he understands that his life, even while he's in prison, isn't really about him. Paul's life isn't really about Paul. It's about finding ways, praying for ways to reach people with the good news of who Jesus is and what He's done for us. Praying, literally, in Paul's words, that God would open doors. Get it? Open door Christian church? Come on, I really had to draw that one for you? That's part of the reason for our name, that God would open doors for the Gospel in the world around us for us. That we would be faithful teachers of the Word, hearers of the Word, and doers of the Word. That God would open doors to people who do not yet know Jesus. Just like Paul is encouraging this young church in Colossae, he's encouraging you and I to be people of constant prayer. Not just for ourselves, but maybe even more importantly, for people who don't have the eternal hope of Jesus yet in their lives. Who, who truly don't know what hope is. And that you can do. You can pray for those people. And what you're going to find out is as you change your prayer life and your priorities, you're going to find yourself being more gracious, more thankful, more consistent in your faith. And you're going to find more joy because more prayer brings you closer to Jesus and being closer to Jesus brings us more joy. How about that? So by praying for other people and getting closer to Jesus, the benefit that we feel is joy because suddenly our focus isn't just on us. Last time I spoke to you, I I asked you to dare to imagine. I said, imagine what your life would be. Imagine if you were to meet Jesus here and now, not just in heaven when you die. Imagine if you met Him right now today. What if the living Jesus stood right in front of you If you lived like he was truly alive, and here's the good news that Paul wants doors open to share with people, is that Jesus is truly alive. He really is here right now. He is just in front of you and behind you and next to you. What if you took that one step further and if you imagined yourself praying for open doors for you? Not doors to make your life better or even different. Not doors for more money or opportunity. But what if you prayed for open doors to tell people about Jesus yourself? What if you actually prayed for an opportunity to share your faith with someone who didn't know Jesus? As those who have been saved, as believers in and followers of the King of Kings, that should be our prayer doesn't matter how much it might scare you or intimidate you. Quite honestly, it doesn't matter whether you want to or not. That's the prayer that we should all be praying. Because just like Paul knew that he might die in prison, he knew that he would live forever with Jesus. And if you have accepted Jesus' gift of salvation, if you put your faith and hope and trust and you're living for Him, you also know that you will live forever with Him. And what happens in this life really doesn't matter. But there's all kinds of people around you who don't know that. All kinds of people who don't have the assurance and the comfort. And here's the thing. You, you, 
might be the one that God has appointed, appointed to bring the good news of Jesus to somebody close to you. Can you imagine that? If the reason that you're in a relationship with them and you go to church and know Jesus personally and they don't, if the reason is because God has appointed you to be the one to share the good news of Jesus with them, can you imagine that? I can. When we take our worship and the teaching and the prayer time out of this space and out into the world, when we ask God to bless us with the opportunity to reach people with the good news of Jesus, do you know what God will do? He'll open the doors to the gospel for us. He will open the doors to people's hearts so that we can go out and share with them the good news of Jesus. He will bless us with open doors if only we will ask. So how do you even begin to pray? I guess you just start. You know, maybe what you need to do is if, if you don't have a heart for people who don't know Jesus, say, God, give me a heart for people who don't know Jesus. And you just simply start to pray for the people who you know who do not know Him. So who do you know that doesn't know Jesus? Every one of us knows people who do not consider themselves a Christian. So who do you know that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? They maybe know who He is but they've never put their faith and hope and trust in Him. Those people, those are the ones that we should be praying that God opens the door for the gospel that you and I might be willing to walk through in order to share the truth of who Jesus is. And what that means very simply is this is why I believe in Him. What Paul did over and over and over is say, this is who I was before I met Jesus, this is how I met Jesus, this is who I am now. You have that story, so do I. Maybe you're in the this is who I am before I met Jesus because I haven't accepted Him as my Savior. Maybe you're just getting started. Or maybe you've been down that road a long way. But you know what? People want to know why. Why do you believe in Him? Why do you go to church? They're the ones that we should be praying for. And when we do that, Paul says that we would know how it is that we ought to answer every person. You don't have to go in with this great plan and all these Bible verses mentioned, uh, memorized. You just have to be willing. And God will give you the words to say. He'll tell you everything you need to know. So do you know somebody who doesn't know Jesus? Can you imagine how their life might be different if they did? Maybe you could start praying that God would open a door for you to share with them and that God would Push you out of your comfort zone and tell them why it is that you believe in Jesus, why it is that you go to church, why it is that you believe that He's real. Or maybe, maybe today is your day. Maybe you're the one that doesn't know Jesus. Maybe you're the one that's here trying to understand what those Christians believe. Maybe you're the one that's trying to make sense of a life that just simply doesn't make sense. If that's you, we've been praying for you. And the door? For you, this is it. But then God always gives us that chance to say, what are you going to do now? So what are you going to do now? Is there anybody out there that you don't want to spend eternity without? Start praying for them. Is there anybody who makes you so mad you can't stand them? Start praying for them. 
Is there anybody that you absolutely dearly love, maybe one of your closest friends, and you know they don't love Jesus? Start praying for them. Or maybe it's you. Maybe you're the one that Jesus doesn't know your voice, but He knows you because of somebody else's prayer. Maybe today's your day. Let's pray. God, thank You for Paul. Thank You for the joy that he had, even though he was in prison, that he didn't see that as a, as a problem. He saw it as an opportunity. God, thank You that we don't have a right to say that our life is worse than Paul's, so we don't have to do this, because Paul had it so much worse than we can even understand as he's writing this letter. So, God, my prayer simply would be this, that your Holy Spirit would move on each and every one of us. And that person that we're thinking about, or those people that we're thinking about who don't yet know you, and maybe it's, it's someone thinking about themselves. God, that your Holy Spirit would move us and that we would have an opportunity for an open door to either hear or to share the good news of Jesus. And God, even though it might make us uncomfortable or it might feel awkward, God, we know there's just no, no greater thing in this life that we can do than to share that free gift that you've given to us. And so God, we give you thanks. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Finally, I'm going to actually ask you to raise your hands. You ready for this? How many of you know someone who doesn't know Jesus? We all do. I mean, right? Everybody's hands went down. Good, I'm off the hook. I'm not asking you to go on a foreign mission trip like after service or something. Come on. You know, we know somebody, which, by the way, is an awesome thing. Everybody knows somebody who doesn't know Jesus, but we don't know what to do about it. You know, what we start doing is what Paul did, we pray. And there's not a right way or a wrong way to pray. Nike had it right. That Nike said, just do it. Just pray for him. God knows what's going on. God's got a plan. And what God wants more than anything is for those people to be saved, an opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus, which you already know. So as you're thinking about those people that cause you to raise your hand, just start praying that somehow, some way. They hear the good news of Jesus and they're open to it. Because one of the things that we know is the next song we're going to sing, God is in the business of saving human souls. God is mighty to save.